You are listening to History Man, a project of ekbarns.com, where we walk in the footsteps of heroes and proclaim freedom reigns. On today's episode, we're very happy to have Doug Doster, the past state president of South Carolina Society Sons of the American Revolution and the current secretary of Battle of Utah Springs chapter of South Carolina Society Sons of the American Revolution. Welcome, Doug. Thank you, Eric. Good to be here. Well, Doug, we are talking on this episode about the Battle of Utah Springs in 1781, something that uh, you are very familiar with. We want to talk to you a little bit about that and give, have you give us a rundown of what's going on and the other things that are going on in this community surrounding that battlefield. Uh, so we look forward to hearing about that. Uh, we wish to recognize our happy affiliation with Southern Campaign 1780, which provides living history experiences that educate, entertain, and inspire. And also southerncampaign.org, a website dedicated to journaling the southern campaigns of the American Revolution. So, Doug, as we get started, uh, Utah Springs was a major battle after, uh, we're, we're talking after Calpins, after Guilford Courthouse, yeah. mm-hmm. when Cornwallis goes up into Virginia, you still have a significant army here left in South Carolina, and they ended up colliding here at Utah Springs. Tell us a little bit about that. All right, uh, thank you, Eric. Uh, the uh, in the years of uh, 1779 to, to 80, 1781, uh, they were very active years in the Carolinas, as you said. Cornwallis had uh, uh, gone up to, to Yorktown, where he uh, was planning on building his forces up, and he left uh, he left the garrison of about 2,500 men in the Carolinas. Now. Uh, General Nathaniel Green uh, took advantage of Cornwallis not being in the Carolinas again. He he built up his group uh, after a few setbacks with uh, at Hopkirk Hill and um, uh, Battle of '96. He found himself going uh, to uh, down towards uh, Charleston to uh, help with the defense of Charleston. And what he what happened? He ran into General Stewart there at uh, Utah Springs on the banks of the uh, Santee River, uh, and that's where the fighting uh, began. Uh, the soldiers, the uh, militia, and the regulars that uh, Nathaniel had were about uh, 2,200 soldiers altogether, and just about every major officer in the Carolinas were here in this area uh, under Green at this uh, battle. I'm going to stop you right there. Yeah. Some of the some of the names that you you presented uh, me with as we prepared for this episode, we're talking uh, the major players here in South Carolina. We're talking about Francis Marion. We're talking about Pickens. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, among those are the two big ones. But you also had Otho Williams, uh, John Eager Howard, who was a a big player, a big hero uh, at some of the other mm-hmm. big battles. When you talk about the other battles in South Carolina, we're talking about militia forces from all over South Carolina that came here under under Nathaniel exactly. Green. It's interesting, Nathaniel Green had a reputation of losing the battles but winning the war, right? So he he's, he right. kept his army in the in the neighborhoods that in from a tactical standpoint, he made the British feel uneasy. Right. about where they were and had to, and they withdrew and withdrew back right. towards Charleston, right? One of Green's saying, and I've seen it on T-shirts either, uh, was that we fight, we fall down, we get up, and we fight again. Gets right to the point of how he uh, right. understood the, the war and how to win the war. 
the British General Stewart uh, had uh, had his men out foraging around Utah Springs, uh, a plantation there, a Wantu plantation, and uh, Green's men kind of surprised him and ran them back into the encampment there, and that was the beginning of a, I like the term, seesaw fighting that went on between the two the two groups there over the next day. And this uh, was one, two, was down in Utahville? Yeah. Utahville. Yeah, yeah. And, and tell me, for our listeners who are from other states and are not, not from right. here, where is Utahville in U- South Carolina? Utahville is in the extreme eastern end of Orangeburg County. It actually borders Lake Marion, uh, which empties into Lake Moultrie, which goes down into Charleston Harbor. It, it used to be uh, a sleepy fishing village, but it is... Uh, they're starting to see some of the growth coming up from Charleston now, and uh, the uh, the little town of Utahville itself beginning to recognize the importance of their history. They have a festival now, which I have been involved in, and in trying to get them to really make it centered around the, the history of the battle, which was just fought a couple of miles down the road in the Utahville community. Uh, there's actually a community which is not incorporated, uh, and there's a town of Utah, but it's in eastern Orangeburg County. So when you go down to that area, history or, or historians in the past have said, well, all the battlefield uh, is under the water, under the lake that was backed up. Not true. Your, <laughs> your research, when y'all have re-looked at that battlefield, what you have found is all of it's on the high, high ground on right the, there. On right? the high ground. Uh, the, uh, there's a 2.1-acre monument park there in the Utah Springs community where the Battle of Utah Springs chapter, uh, DAR, founded in uh, 1906, erected a, a nice large stone monument there in 1912, memorializing that, that battle. The main battle part of the battlefield itself is really across the road from this park and up towards the town of Utahville. Uh, and it's, uh, it's very much the majority of the battlefield or battleground is on the high side, like you said. And thanks to the battleground, South Carolina Battleground Preservation Trust, they uh, have managed to purchase uh, around five, five sections of, of property in addition to uh, the park, which was uh, owned basically by the state. But they have taken over the care of that. Uh, and the Battleground Preservation Trust is actually developing more of the, of the park. And uh, it is on their uh, Liberty Trail program, Trail 1. Uh, I could, we could do another whole thing on that. But uh, Utah Springs, the, the, the area that we're, we're looking at now with the, with the Monument Park and all, uh, is eventually going to have a visitor center, a uh, museum, and uh, there will be signs on Interstate 95, which I failed to mention is nearby. From I-95 and Santee, you're looking at 16 miles to this battle site. So it's going to be easily accessible to people coming in, you know, from, from different states uh, coming off of I-95. There's just going to be a, a lot more to see and do down there once, once these things uh, are, are developed through the help of the, ba- uh, the Battleground Preservation Trust and hopefully a nonprofit that's getting ready to start up. Well, very good. That's very exciting. So uh, getting back to the battle, we're talking Nathaniel Green's pushing Stewart's men back yeah. to, where'd we go from there? Back, back and forth. Like About what was, time of day was that? Uh, this was in, in the morning of September 8, 1781. Some of the fighting started at 4, 4 a.m. in the morning, and it went on and off all day long. A very bloody, uh, long-lasting battle. The uh, Patriot side, uh, actually overran the camps 
of the British briefly, and they got there. The story is they, the British had left their, their breakfast still cooking when they, when they retreated, and our, the soldiers were eagerly <laughs> eating up their breakfast, and then the British came back. Uh, some of them had taken cover under the old plantation house, uh, which uh, we have the actual location of where that house was. I think they had the brick foundation they, they discovered. And anyway, they came back out and ran the Patriot forces off uh, and it was a back and forth like that all afternoon because of the tremendous loss of life, casualties on both sides, and there was a rain uh, that dampened the gunpowder. This was a factor, too. Uh, they, they, uh, the, the fighting stopped that afternoon. And eventually the British withdrew, uh, Stuart withdrew his forces down to Charleston. Depending on, on, on what historian you talk with, the battle uh, was strategically a win for the Patriots, uh, but if you look at it from a military point of view, because the British still had had the field, held their field, the end of the battle, it was a win for them. But it depends on what book and what history you talk with. But again, both forces withdrew their soldiers away to, after the battle of the front. The British began going down to Charleston, which they continued to stay in Charleston until 1783. We never regained Charleston after it fell to the British uh, the year before, it, uh, we never we never got Charleston back, and they just stayed there until uh, they got ready to leave. Uh, less than eight weeks after this battle, Cornwallis had, of course, got the word that you know, there was no decisive victory for the British at Utah Springs, and he wound up surrendering. Uh, of course, he had helped that the French had also blockaded his supplies off the coast of Yorktown, so he wasn't able to get supplies and, and reinforcements. So. Uh, less than eight weeks after this battle at Utah Springs is when he surrendered on, on October 17, 1781. And of course, Cornwallis didn't surrender his own sword. He sent his uh, uh, second into command, uh, and also Charles O'Hara, uh, he surrendered Cornwallis' sword to George Washington there. In the Battle of Utah Springs, kind of the importance of it kind of got swept under the table then because Yorktown got all the publicity of being the place where the, the war supposedly ended. Of course, the war didn't end then. War went on for another three years on the high seas, out in the, out in the western territories, and it wasn't until the Treaty of Paris, of course, was signed uh, that the war officially, uh, well, that the United States was officially recognized as an independent nation. I want to get back to what you were saying. This was a very bloody battle and a very long battle. Uh, as I've talked to other historians uh, across the, the region, most of these battles, for instance, Hobkirk Hill, we only lasted about 15, 20 minutes or so. Yeah, that's right. And, uh, and Kings Mountain lasted about 50 minutes, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, the huge uh, cowpens didn't last that long either. Mm -hmm. But this actually was a long a battle. Long, day long. And day involved long. how many troops on either side? Uh, 2,200 uh, Americans and uh, a little less, uh, around 2,000 British troops. And these, of course, were made up, the British troop was made up of a lot of loyalist Tories, and also uh, we had our American troops, of course, were the militia, the regular army and militia also. That was another thing about the, the, the battle. You had Americans fighting Americans in this battle. Of course, that was the case it was in the Carolinas anyway, because we had such a large uh, loyalist group, a Tory group here, and uh, it, was, it was almost like a civil war in South, in South Carolina and North Carolina. It was family against family, depending on who... Who they, who they supported. But yes, uh, the casualties, the numbers, uh, according to my research, uh, 579 Americans were killed and 882 
British forces members were uh, killed, or, or I think killed or wounded. Uh, so it was. It was. It was a tremendous loss, and that was another reason they pulled back. Was they were losing so many people. That plus the the fact that their gunpowder had gotten damp, according to a little mist uh, that they had there. Sure. So you were saying it was a seesaw action, and it lasted for several hours, and it was a bloodbath. I think that was your words. Uh, if you go out to the, the, the battlefield site where they have the monuments, there's actually a British soldier buried out there, correct? Uh, that's correct. Uh, a General uh, Marshbanks, John Marshbanks. And believe it or not, let me tell you about this. He has a family group that comes over so many years and pays homage there, it actually shows up at that battle site. Uh, one of uh, the locals there told me about that. He said, I've talked with these people. They, every, every so many years they come here, some of them from England, from, from Europe, uh, but most of them are from the uh, states here in America. And uh, I'm trying, I said, well, I'd like to meet some of these people. But anyway, that's something we're looking at there. But uh, John Marshbanks uh, is buried there. Uh, he actually was the uh, officer that had uh, pulled some of his men into the old one two plantation house stone stone house there then rushed out and fought the, the patriot soldiers there while they were forging through some of the british tents there <laughs> taking things and mainly eating some of their breakfast they didn't get to eat that morning well i know that uh, this was such a significant battle in the early history of south carolina right. that they even put it in the the original state song right carolina carolina right right written by henry timrod uh and it uh, the second verse in that song, there's a line that says, and look to Utah's battle bed. Uh, and it refers to the Battle of Utah Springs because it was such a, uh, a bloody battle. There's also a reference in a book, and I couldn't find out where it was, that blood ran ankle thick that afternoon. That's, uh, it, I think that might have been an exaggeration, but uh, uh, the person wrote it. But, but still, with the number, you look at the numbers of soldiers that were killed on both sides, it, so it, was, it was a very bloody battle. And, uh, it's interesting also to me, the Maryland troops were down here along with the Delaware yeah. troops. Uh, the Maryland troops were, were big fighters, both Maryland and Delaware. They were, they were fighting all over South Carolina. Right. They were at both battles of Camden uh, and beyond. If you go to the Camden Yards at Oriole Stadium there in, uh, in Maryland, right. uh, you will find a street called Utah Street. Exactly. And uh, it's named Camden Yards. These are, these are South mm -hmm. Carolina references because mm -hmm. Maryland played such a a big role in the yeah. history of this state. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about uh, some of the things you have going on there. You have an annual event down here every Labor Day in reference uh, to right. this Right, it usually falls on Labor Day, yes. Our Battle of Utah Springs chapter, uh, the South Carolina Society, Sons of the American Revolution, uh, we, uh, uh, of course, the Battle of Utah Springs is our namesake, and every chapter, every chapter of the SAR adopts a battlefield. Uh, battle site, and uh, of course ours naturally is Battle of Utah Springs. Uh, we do a commemoration of that battle, which was fought September 8, September 8, 1781. We try to have the battle on the Saturday closest to the date, and that usually falls on Labor Day weekend, uh, as it does this coming year. We uh, actually start on a Friday night uh, with a uh, dinner, and uh, we have a, a speaker, usually an author of some book, uh, certainly a, a keynote uh, speaker who presents a program for us, and then we have a nice meal there in Santee's uh, at their historic restaurant. It goes back to the 40s. Uh, we do that on Friday night because we have people coming in from all over the, all over the country now. This is an annual 
recognized annual event uh, on the DAR and SAR and DAR calendars of, of recognized uh, annual events. But the, the main program is Saturday, uh, where we have a patriotic service at the historic church of the Epiphany, uh, a beautiful uh, Episcopalian church there in uh, Utahville, historic church. Uh, and uh, we do a, we have a speaker, uh, we recognize all our DAR, SAR, Children's Society, CAR, any other genealogical uh, or historic society that's present. And we uh, do, of course, color guard there. And uh, it's, a, it's about a 45 minute service. Uh, and then we leave there and go down the road on Highway 6, another two, two miles to the uh, Utah Springs community and the Battle Monument site. And we do a reflating ceremony there, uh, make some brief addresses, and we uh, call out the chapters that have uh, of the DAR, SAR, CAR, and whoever else. And some individual families actually present a wreath in honor of the ancestors that fought there. Uh, so we call those names out, and they come up and put a, uh, lay a wreath or Usually we have the reeves set up beforehand for a time because that time of year in South Carolina, as you know, could be muggy, buggy, and, and uh, uh, you don't want to stay out there and hot uh, in September, as it was at, at, the, at that year of the battle, 1781, uh, and make reference to the, to the heat there. So we do uh, uh, the reflating ceremony uh, there. Then, uh, and what's something that I think draws a lot of people down, we have a world-class South Carolina historic barbecue place not about 20 miles <laughs> from there that everybody goes and they reserve the they reserve the, the party room there for people who want to come and eat uh, good low country barbecue uh, and then for the real hardcore attendees we have a honor guard we send down 22 miles from the battle monument site to general francis Marion's tomb over in pineville uh, and we do an honor uh, representation at his tomb there and of course a lot of people they come that far to Utah, uh, and here's the Swamp Fox's tomb, just another 22 miles down the road. So we go down and do an honor guard there that afternoon. That was a big thing. It is a big thing, and there's growing interest every year. Uh, I've seen yeah. the, the ceremony has grown in its prominence and uh, yeah. its attendance over the last few years. And yeah. it's we got hit with COVID better. one year, but we still, we still had it uh, because it was, most of it was outside. We had everything outside. But uh, uh, the attendance is increasing every year. Doug, how do people reach you? How do they reach uh, the Utahville battle site? Uh, uh, people, is there, is there a way uh, they can reach you? They can go on the state SA, uh, South Carolina Society website. Uh, the, uh, our, our chapter uh, is listed there. But uh, to get to me personally, they can uh, contact me at uh, dosterdouglas at gmail.com. Uh, my name in reverse, dosterdouglas at gmail.com. Uh, and my phone number is 803-823-2824. Thank you so much, Doug. Appreciate your time. Well, I thank you coming down and doing this.